Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is I Asia from the Peace and Preparation podcast. And I'm back with another uh, episode of uh, Sons of God. And today I have a really awesome guest with me, Darnell Taylor, who I have known, I feel like, for about four years now, maybe. Yeah, I'd say it's four. It's four years now. Yeah, it's been about four years. And Darnell has, he does some really awesome work. So I just told Darnell I won't be doing any justice to introduce him. So I'm going to ask Darnell to introduce yourself to our viewers. Sure. Um, Darnell Taylor, born and raised in Queens, a Queens kid to the fullest, uh, kind of where my heart resides and probably always will. Um, I am a producer, creative. I've worked in everything from television to some film work to uh, social media, internet, and now my new uh, love and interest and hobby, I guess, is podcasting at the moment. Wow. That's me, I'd say. <laughs> That's a lot, Darnell. You wear a lot of hats. Thank you. I mean, I try. I always try to challenge myself and kind of keep motivated. Okay. So I saw podcasting as kind of like a challenge. It's like, can you do it? So let's see, if you, you know? Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. How is podcasting different from what you, what you're, what you usually do? So let's, so, we're going to have to break down your many hats. <laughs> okay. So what I usually do, um, it, usually behind the scenes, I'm on the other side of the camera, creating okay. it. Um, started out, I guess, 18, 19 Wow. Um, production assistant, kind of bounced around throughout the city, working on different uh, TV shows some films, everything kind of seeing what I like to do. I realized that I like working with like smaller crews mm. and stuff. Got into like sports docuseries and marketing kind of field there. And a part of that, I became a producer. So as a producer, I would basically come up with the concepts for different shoots. I would, depending on the budget, uh, sometimes actually be the camera person and shoot myself uh, back in the day. Um, did that for a while. Um, won two Emmys. Wow. Doing that. Uh, but I think there was just like a lack of fulfillment after a while and kind of just seeing where the world and media was going. I saw it transitioning from TV to more of a mobile internet kind of space. So I kind of want to get some experience doing that. And that's kind of when I pivoted to from being more from being a producer or producer, uh, editor, post producer, all that kind of stuff to just see myself as more of a content creator and okay. do a more kind of like creative direction and stuff like that. As far as coming up with ideas for shoots and marketing and everything like that, as far and still kind of being hands on on set, doing some directing. And stuff like that. And just, so I, I use the skills that I developed from the old mediums of TV and film and kind of applied it to social media okay. and uh, the internet and that world and kind of just to elevate stuff and kind of push it along quicker and kind of know how to do things uh, efficiently and keep in quality high. So you've had a lot of transitions. Oh, tons of transitions. I mean, and it seems like you, like you said, you've transitioned a lot with 
the times in a sense. So um, the way that I see it, because uh, how can I put this? I mean, overall, you've done a lot of creating. Just That just sounds like the basis of everything that you've gone from one creative avenue to the, to the next creative avenue. Yeah, and, I, and I've, I think I've always kind of been a creative, mm. even as a, a child. Okay, what do you mean? Um, because as a child, I always, even when I watch TV with like my mom and grandma, we watched tons of <laughs> everything from uh, Martin Fresh Prince, Who's the Boss? Remember that? <laughs> Remember Who's the Boss? Yeah. Supermarket Sweep, Cheers, okay. uh, oh. Happy Days, a bunch of stuff. Welcome back, Cotter. Used to watch a ton of TV. Um, and then I remember even having like toys how kids have, you know? Yes. And I would kind of set these toys up to kind of have conversations with each other and stuff like that. <laughs> and and I knew um, by the time I'd say I was like 15, 16, mm-hmm. for sure, that I wanted to do something in TV creative. I wasn't sure exactly what. And then I as like, as you get older and you explore more, you find out all the jobs and all the things that happen behind the scenes. So initially I wanted to be uh, a sitcom writer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I used to uh, write like some temp scripts and a whole bunch of ideas and everything like that. And then when I started to realize the politics and the industry of, of television, I kind of, didn't want to pursue, pursue it anymore. So what are, what were the politics like? That's interesting. So is it like, yeah, let's talk about that. Cause that sounds interesting. Uh, a lot of it, I realized wasn't necessarily talent. It was more like nepotism. Oh. Who, you know, um, and it didn't seem familiar to me in a sense where I didn't see any representation where I felt like that person's like me. And I, and I'm, and I mean that like not even just the skin color thing, like mm. just from like a personality or person type thing. Like I, even in college, I never fit in with like the film school kids or, or, you know, like the, the film group. And I never fit in with them. Like even my close circle of friends, none of them work in TV or like creatives or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there was just a, a sense of this like self-importance almost I don't mean to put anybody down who works in that field right. uh there's just a self of like sense of self-importance and like this this like arrogance and like you know that I just didn't really take to because oh. it just a lot of it felt disingenuous to me that would be the perfect word and I just didn't like that so I I, I think I started to like avoid it kind because of, of that I yeah mean- it doesn't sound like it, it fit, like you said, it doesn't sound like it fit for your, your personality, your personality, and also just what it is, what your vision is. Yeah. But now I look at it and I, and I totally see it as doable now. Really? And I don't, yeah. And I don't mean that because I don't see the industry the same as I did before. And now I think there's so much power um, in the hands of the creator. Like yeah. we can create anything ourselves like if I really wanted to and I put my head down and thought about it like I can make it a show you know right. I can easily create a 15-20 minute show and just 
have it expand and grow every week, you know? Right. And so, there's so many platforms that you can use to do that now. Right. So now it's different. I think if I would have viewed it that way, uh, when I wanted to get into TV, into sitcom writing and stuff like that, coming out of college, I would have, I would have actually pursued it if I felt that I had the power to, but I, there was a sense of like feeling powerlessness and mm. uh, and that aspect, like no matter how good I am, I feel like I made it may not work. And I was probably completely wrong and created that fear okay. for myself. But that's one of the reasons why I didn't do it and went the the route that I ended up going now. And also could have been, like you said, you know, not having that that experience, I guess, or at least knowing what you know now versus what you knew at that point. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of, especially when I was like, even as a production assistant on certain sets, the other PAs were somebody's nephew, somebody's son, somebody, you know, okay. it was a lot of that. Uh, it just felt like being on the outside of the club. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't like that feeling. Like we're all here to do a job, you know? Right. I yes, mean, I didn't really like that feeling too much. You worked really hard for, and it just seems like, you know, not to say that anybody is getting it a handout but just kind of like oh yeah and and if I could go back and talk to my younger self I would tell him that's how it's supposed to be though mm. you know because as I've gotten gotten um more seasoned in the industry and stuff like that I definitely have my crew or my club you know yeah and then there's people that probably look at like oh, I want to get in to that club and like granted I may not even view it that way as they're trying to do that so I may not no, but I, I get why it's that way. I just didn't understand it at that time. Okay. Well, I just, I want to kind of back up a little bit because you did talk a lot about how you, this is something that you've been enjoying since you were younger. And yep. did you have like, what type of support did you have? Did you have support from family and like your mom and your grandmother regarding? Oh yeah, definitely. Those, those two right there. <laughs> those are my biggest supporters um my grandmother I feel like whatever I wanted to do she was going to support me same thing with my mom but I feel like I do no wrong in my grandma's eyes I, <laughs> I know it um and then my mom I knew my mom really 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 uh, stood by me and supported me when I got out of college maybe a few months after that um a friend of her hers her best friend my godmother uh was able to get me an interview at the company she works for and I go and I do the interview and I I want to say it was like 70 75 thousand dollars salary wow I'm college 22 21 22 fresh out of college um and they offered me the job before i even got home like i did the interview and on the train home i get a call for this job um but i knew i couldn't do the job because like if i do that job and i take that money that's it it's gonna kill motivation i'll just be happy making that um. money and the next thing i know I'll be 35. I'll be 45. I'll be 55. You know? And not enjoying it. And 
I told my mother I was going to turn the job down. She was like, what? And I t- explained to her why. I was like, Ma, it's not what I want to do. You know, like, I can't do that. And she said, okay. And she supported me in doing it. And like, granted, at this time, I was still living at home. So technically, she's still supporting me. <laughs> and she let me do it. Right. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, well, I mean, just based on, how does your mother feel now? I mean, based upon you turning down, I just, I just think about being, getting out of college. I think my first job ever, I don't think I was making, I wasn't making a lot. I think I was making maybe 25,000. And I was just like, this is what I went to four years of school for. So, I mean, just thinking about 22 and making that, that's like six figures there. Yeah. And it, it took me a long time to get close to making that money again. You know, um, and I, my mother always said to me that she wished when she was younger, she had somebody like that, or it was viewed that way to like pursue what you want. Mm. Cause she was like, everything was just get a job, get a job that pays money, that makes money, you know? Yeah. It was never about pursuing your passion and what you want to do and stuff like that. She, she never even really thought about it. Wow. Yeah. And for me, it's been completely different. Like it's always been thinking about, well, what do you want to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think she takes pride in that I'm that way. My brother's that way. My brother is 12 years younger than me, oh. but he's that way. Um, yeah. So I think she, she takes a lot of pride in that. And supporting. We follow, yeah. And that we follow our hearts and our dreams. And I'm sure she's happy that she she did that because of all the work that you've done. I mean, was she there? Did she get to see you experience winning two Emmys? Uh, she wasn't uh, there, but she did. She saw, she saw the trophy. Like I brought the trophy home and I called her after and stuff like that. The Emmy thing, I, it's, it was very anti-climatic uh, to me. Oh. Like we, yeah, because it's like, Especially when you win the Emmy and you have a nine to five okay. job. Yeah. You just go back to work the next day. So it's no time to really celebrate unless you're doing it on a weekend. Right. And even when you do celebrate, you celebrate that night after the Emmys. Oh, let's go have drinks and do that stuff like that. Even if you have a party after, it's like, whatever, you just still get to go back to work. That's- and then, and then when you realize in, the television industry, how many people actually win Emmys sometimes and like how, you know, that, that they're not as uncommon as you think. It's kind of like, oh, all right. Really? I mean, that's yeah. a, a great accomplishment in the fact that you won two of them. Yeah, and it could just be me, myself, downplaying it. Yeah, I think to myself. So. I mean, I I grew up in Brooklyn and, you know, I grew up in a low income. I grew up... I grew up in the projects in Farragut. And I don't know if you've ever. And most people my age were not even living to see, uh, gosh, 20, 21, or even 15. And you don't hear too much about, you know, brown and black men and women aspiring to do such things. Like we, it was almost like that's idolized. So that's it. I'm pretty sure uh, in the neighborhood I grew up in, I grew up in uh, Jamaica, Queens, that it's probably a decent radius before you find somebody else that 
uh, won an Emmy. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Cause I view it at, like, I look at it a lot of times as like right place to right time. You know, I don't see it as like, oh, you were like the best or like exceptional and stuff like that. I was just in the right place at the right time. Cause I feel like there's people who do better work. They just don't, they're just not in the club yet. You know? That's very humble, Darnell. I'm gonna have to say that. I mean, I feel like that's very, that takes a lot of humility to say that. And um, yeah, and, and by no means did I win the Emmy myself or like maybe if even though I'm not on a team, the Emmy's probably still won. It's just, I'm there. And I, I don't get me wrong, it's, it's a collective. Everybody played a part and everybody did stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't see myself as, I was that integral or that important where like, I feel ownership over like, I got these Emmys because I'm so great. No, I got these Emmys because I worked on a, a great team and made great product, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but by no means do I, and I mean this not in like a personality way or like, I don't think I'm the only Darnell in the sense of like a good young black creative or, you know what I mean? I think there's tons of Darnells that um, may not necessarily get the shot or know it or just just in a different place okay i by no means do i ever want to ever be the only darnell i want it to be an army this is when it's going to sound narcissistic now (laughs) i want it to be an army of darnells i want to be hundreds of thousands of darnells out here uh doing it where emmys aren't spectacular or a thing it's just oh yeah i won that so what type of advice would you give i know we kind of shifted gears a little bit but just based upon what you said what kind of advice would you give to someone who is aspiring to do some of the things that you're doing? Um, I would say be persistent and don't settle. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really it. And it's like, nothing is really the end. It's all just beginnings. Mm. And I, I mean that in sense of like, you can do a project and the project can be horrible. You, you can mess stuff up. I've messed stuff up. I've seen people mess stuff up. It's not the end. It's just going to start from there you know okay um and i think when i started to view things that way everything kind of opened up and it was like you start to operate i start to operate way um more efficient because i started to i let go of the fear you Mm know because a lot of times not just being young but being a young black man um in these any industry this really applies to there's the pressure to overperform and not you know yeah mess up but when you kind of realize like okay this is not the end even if if you could fathom the worst possible thing that can happen that's still not the end you get up and you work from there even if you mess up so bad you lose your job you you work from there that's it like it's never really the end. And once I accepted that, I, I started creating without fear. I started whatever, like I wasn't afraid of um, the responses to certain things or stuff like that. And I think that took me to a level where I, I was ready to experiment and push boundaries and do stuff that other people weren't doing, okay. you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I got rid of the fear, I stopped playing it safe with certain things. And that's when I really start to find my groove. I I really want to kind of dig a little deeper with that. When you say that once you 
just let go of the fear because I feel like, I mean, even for myself, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate to just having that sense of, you have that motivation, but then you feel those, you hear those thoughts that are creeping up, that fear. And just like you said, like with, you know, people of black and brown people and things of that nature is almost a little bit harder because it's like, I have to, I have to prove myself because people already kind of, the odds are already against me. So what would you say? Like, how did, how did you overcome that, that, that breaking down the fear and just turn it into just acceptance of? So I started to look at it uh, instead of like the project or the job or whatever situation yeah. be in the world, I start to put it in perspective to the entire world. Mm, and okay. it's like, oh, cool. You lost your $100,000 job. Somebody just lost their life or lost a loved one or lost a parent. Or lost, you know what I mean? Right. So me saying that's the end or I don't know what to do because I lost a $100,000 job. And somebody saying, I just lost my eye. I lost my mother. I lost, you know what I mean? I lost my son. Mm -hmm. uh, I lost my freedom. I'm sitting in, in prison now. Um, those things made me view it differently where I'm like, this isn't really that deep. So like, I'm not performing surgery. Nobody's lives depend on whether I do this project a thousand percent or not. It's really just uh, my own ego wanting to create, you know? Right. So when I look at it that way, I'm like, oh no, it's okay if I mess up because in the scheme of the world, it's not that dire. Mm. And it, it'll be selfish of me to just feel pity for myself for losing a luxury. You know, having a cushy job where you get to do what you want and create and do that stuff, that's a luxury. So me feeling bad about losing it, um, it's just like, it's not just selfish, but it's kind of like ignorant. Wow. I think. And when I started to view it that way, I was like, oh, well, I'm not really afraid to lose the job. Let me try something else, you know? And then that's when you can really like push your personality and your, and your feelings and other stuff through your creative. Because I wasn't afraid anymore of them saying, I don't like this or that's not good. That doesn't work. You know, and then even taking a step beyond that, at that point, now I'm ready to even stand up and speak up for my work and defend my work and say, Hey, this is why it does work. And, you know? Wow. And along with that comes respect. People start to respect it and see it like, okay, this means something or, you know? Yes. Um, so I think that was a huge part. And the other end, you're, you're definitely going to run across people who like, Oh no, I don't like that. Or I don't like him standing up for himself or he's arrogant as what you like to throw out towards like, black men you know what I mean or aggressive or some stuff like that you'll get that um but I, I'm okay dealing with that then uh not being respected and kind of being overlooked and stuff like that and just falling in line so I've I've once I got past that part of like it's not that bad it was I was off to the races then I feel like listening to you it sounds a lot like you didn't allow anyone to, to stifle your voice and you definitely 
you you matured in a lot of different aspects. I, I don't even think I, there's a lot of people who have. I know a lot of people who couldn't even um, fathom losing a specific type of job or even would look at it in that type of context or perspective as, oh, well, you know, somebody just lost their life. Like there's more things in the world to really think about or consider. And like you said, we then to me, that just sounds like we do, most of the time we are thinking a lot about self. Yeah, and, and the job isn't the person, you know what I mean? Right, and the person, the job will always be there and a person will be replaced. So you, it sounds like you definitely took a stance in terms of valuing, valuing yourself and just valuing your work and just, I don't, I don't feel like a lot of people are at that place. And that, I, no. um, that takes, that takes a lot of growth. That takes a lot of maturity. Yeah. And, and I think, um, a lot of it came from, I always felt, I always felt like I was fighting for a place of belonging, mm. kind of. And then when you realize that maybe you, you don't belong and that's okay to not belong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I've, I've experienced some things. One thing that always stood out to me, um, a previous job that I was working at, there was, I was a production assistant. There was an associate producer. Associate producer wasn't good. I clearly knew I was better than him. Mm-hmm. I knew that a lot of the people on the team know I was better than him. And I, I used that as an opportunity to advance. So I knew every time he would mess up or he's not going to do something properly, I had it ready and I would do it properly. And in my mind, I'm like, this is, clear math. This is two plus two equals four. This kid is the better one that deserves. Um, But the guy in charge, the VP, he kind of, I guess he had a real liking towards this uh, associate producer. So get away with murder, do anything he wants and it's okay. Always excuse it, you know, and kind of let him get his way. And I'd be there and I'd like, I'm trying to show my best, trying to show my best and everything. And at the time, the position I was in, it was a two-year contract kind of thing. So after two years, they can either figure out a way to hire you or they kind of just not hire you. And I remember overhearing one of the producers uh, tell the the VP, like, hey, like, you know, we should start training Darnell. Like, we should start, like, taking him on shoots and road and other stuff on the road and other stuff like that. So you can, like, get more experience and learn. He's good. And everything and the vp says why he won't be here in six months what like i, I realized i was like oh i see was like you know I, I realized how he he already had it planned he already planned it out yeah he already knew what 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 it, what it was gonna be in a sense and in my mind i was like no way i was like i knew i was qualified. i was too you were more right. qualified and that was that one of the moments when I realized that I, I remember being like really hurt by that. Mm. I'm like, I'm working really hard. I'm doing these things. You know what I mean? I'm, and then I started to ask myself, I was like, what happens if you lose this job? Mm. And then I started to process it. I was like, life will go on. Wow. Okay. You know, like 
life will really go on. I'll pick up and I'll find another job. Even if I have to go to a different career field, do something different. Mm-hmm. Life will go on. Whatever's supposed to be is going to be in my path and that's what's going to happen. And when I viewed it that way, I, I started doing fearless. Like, you know what I mean? Trying stuff that they never tried and like doing things that they, that they weren't thinking of doing. I was doing things the Darnell way all of a sudden. I wasn't doing it the way that the company wanted it. And like, oh, look, this is what you want. I got it done. You know, I wasn't the, the perfect company person, but I, I became the perfect Darnell. I became the perfect me. Um, and I ended up, they ended up hiring me, you know? So they ended up, although he said that you had six months, they yeah. still ended up hiring you. Yeah, because I kind of, I realized I started to offer something that nobody else offered, which was myself. Mm. You know, there's a certain way that Darnell's going to do things and other stuff like that. And by no means did like he hire me and everything turn around. Uh, he still found ways or like things to, like try to like pigeonhole me or like do mm-hmm. stuff a, a different way. Um, it was it was funny because I had some some really good uh, producers, the closest things I probably considered to like professional mentors. Yeah. Um, and it just depends on how you look at things. And I kind of took a risk. And I kind of just wanted to have experience and like learn how to do stuff. So I just wanted to be like really hands-on. Yeah. So they would let me do some of their projects for them. I'd produce the project. I'd do it, the entire project. Then they would present it to the VP. And the VP would be like, oh, this is great. I love it. And then after they, they, he approves it and everything, they'd go, yeah, Darnell did it. <laughs> because they knew if I went directly, it may have been a different response. It's uh, like so he had it like he... I, it just sounds like he had something against you. You know, I don't think, I don't think it was personal. Personal, I think was more in him of his bias of the way he thought things should work and the prejudice. Because I don't think it was just towards like Darnell as a person. I don't, I mean, it's probably some way how he views, how he viewed, um, people of color, but I also seen him view women a certain way. You know what I mean? Oh, and he okay. viewed people with certain, certain age, a certain way. Like he, he was very like boxed in of like, this is how things can be limited. He had a limited. Yeah. He had limited thinking. Yeah. I think. And I don't think he was a bad person. I just think he was a, and a small minded is, is a rough word, but I think he was, he was limited in his uh, thoughts. Small-minded is a pretty good way to describe a person like that, honestly, because <laughs> in this day and age, you really have to expand your mind a lot. Yeah, and and it could be like anyone can do anything and be good, you know. Right. And I don't think he was he was um, he was he was in the industry for a while, so he had an older so mindset. Like you know, I like, don't think he adapted to change. Mm-hmm. and evolution well he didn't know how to transition right and and he oh i also felt that he always operated from the fear standpoint of i have to have this job i have to have this no risk taken let's do it the way before we've done it uh so i think new things or innovation kind of scared him and he, made him feel like whoa i can't do this or you know what i mean like i don't want to be a part of this in case it goes wrong kind of thing so right. he always played it safe yeah. And I was the opposite. I'm a young, hungry, <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> um, 
kid who was willing to try anything. Um, Darnell, you sound very settled in your identity. And I believe that that is something that a lot of people struggle with, understanding their identity, understanding their place, understanding their purpose. And everything that you have said has definitely confirmed that you have a keen sense of awareness, a keen sense of who you are. Like, where would you say, like, I mean, I I don't think saying, where did that come from? That sounds crazy, but um, how did that, how did that develop in you? Um, It developed, and this is going to sound like super emo. Okay. (laughs) It, I, I want to say it developed from like a place of like pain and like darkness and like mm. depression and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, because I think I, I definitely look back and there was definitely times when I was probably depressed uh, with certain stuff. Cause you have an idea in your head of like, this is the way things are supposed to work. This house was gone. And when yeah. life doesn't uh, go with those expectations and stuff like that, you feel like you failed. Right. Yes. Um. And I, and I realized I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So then I started to let go of a lot of those expectations and things like that. And I was like, all right, well, what happens, you know? And then I started to get comfortable with testing the, what happens in life and okay, let's test it. Let's test it. Take a, you know, and the more I did that, the more I realized it's okay. But how so, I find that interesting. I hear that all the time, especially, you know, as a social worker and stuff like that, you know, just let it go. Just kind of just detach yourself from it. And I Mm -hmm. feel like sometimes that's not tangible for people. Like you can let go of the steering wheel and, you know, we know what happened with the car. So it's just like how, when you can't, when you're, when you tell someone, you know, let go of the expectation of, of it turning out this way. What, How can you how can you break that down for someone to someone to really understand and be able to um, just kind of implement in their their daily life? So uh, I'll give it from my perspective. Obviously, you never want to let go of the expectations when things are going well and things are great because it's working out. I have expectations. Expectations are being met. I feel good. Right. right. So you don't have to worry about it in that sense. It's when you don't feel good or you get what you're expecting you still don't feel how you want to feel you know mm. and a lot of times in those moments if, if you ask people it is literally the worst thing in the world yeah. it feels like the world is ending like nothing's worse than what i'm going through right now at this moment all right yeah and we can't say that it feels different for like the person uh that lost a thousand dollar jacket at the club and the person that is struggling um, to like with their health, you know? Yeah. They both feel like that's the worst, that's the end. It's not gonna get any worse than this for me. So if that's the truth and you genuinely feel that way, then trying anything doesn't make a difference because it's not, it's not really gonna be worse than what you're feeling now, mm. you know? So it, it was like playing with house money, I realized. Cause I was like, I feel bad. like. I felt bad. I'm at this job. Like they said, I'll be going in six months. So I'm using that as an example. I said, I'm going to be gone in six months and everything. So I was like, let's try something. Cause they're not going to make me feel worse than I feel already. Yeah. So that's, that's how I ended up being able to let go of the expectations because I was like, the expectations have me feeling as bad as I possibly can feel right now. So now if I 
try something else. Like, what's it going to make me feel? Bad? I already feel bad. So, like, let's see what happens. So that's kind of how I feel like I got there. I, let me tell you something. I really aspire to experience that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a no. lot of people, I mean, seriously, because I, as a person, you know, anxiety, I feel like we use that word very loosely, but we do live in a, a fast place life. So anxiety is probably a very, most people commonly deal with anxiety. So the yes. thought letting go of like, oh my gosh, I have to let go of this feeling that I'm feeling. And maybe we just, in some odd way, I just there's some com- comfortability in that feeling and just being able to hold on to it. But when you, when you explain it the way that you do, it just makes it sound so much easier to just kind of let it go. Um, but you, it, ha- it takes acknowledging. You have to acknowledge that this is as bad as I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I feel this bad. So what am I holding on to if I feel this bad? Um, is a meme that I, I keep my phone and I, I always look at it occasionally, especially when I'm, when I, I still struggle with like, oh, you have to let this go and move on kind of thing. Yeah. I still struggle with that. I have uh, FOMO and <laughs> separation anxiety and all that stuff too, I'm sure. Um, but there's this meme that I look at and it's a drawing of this little girl holding a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. She has like a, a small teddy bear. And then there's, Jesus, right? Yes. Granted, it's white Jesus. I will say that. <laughs> Holding a giant teddy bear behind his back that the little girl can't see. Mm-hmm. And the meme, the girl is saying, but Jesus, I love it. I don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know? I've and it's like, this. I look at that all the time because it's so true. And I look back at my life with a lot of things like, certain times when I had to let go or something was expiring and, you know, and it's time to, there's always something that's like, oh, even if you don't get it in that moment, that month, that year, two years, whatever it is, at a certain point it goes, I get it now. Mm -hmm. I get why this is, you know? Right. Why this is here. You're the, okay. I was watching, I was actually watching a podcast the other day when they mentioned that meme and that is so true. I mean, there's you're holding on to something and you never know what's down the road. There's something always bigger. There's always something better. Mm-hmm. There's always a a much brighter opportunity. But how would you know if you don't let go of something that you probably have outgrown? You know, right. haven't even realized. Oh, I outgrew. Out, I outgrew this. So it's time for me to elevate from this specific level in my life. And if I don't let go of that, then how will I get to that? that next opportunity that's much greater than this so I totally understand that wow you have definitely um dropped a lot of gems (laughs) (laughs) a lot of quotes too um a lot of a lot of self uh reflection and stuff like that and I think yeah what what helped me especially as I've gotten older is accountability okay that's even if some even if something happens to me, somebody does something to me, I'm like, I put myself in that position for that to happen because a it's a, word. it's way more tangible um, and able to process and deal with yeah. than putting the blame on somebody else. You can put the blame on somebody else and it's easy, but you'll never really figure it out. Or you know what I mean? There's always that, well, this person did this. Why did they do that? 
you take right. accountability of it, you deal with it, you figure it out uh, yourself. So that's been my thing. And just to kind of add on to that, like without accountability, like if you find yourself in the same position too, or the same, let's say you find yourself repeating the same type of lesson or cycle at that point, you know, who, who is the person you're going to hold accountable? Cause you know, you're in the same situation. So it's obviously there's a repeat happening. And at this point, it's just gotten kind of like doing some self-reflection and saying, Hey, well, hmm." So the second time that this has happened, I think I need to see why this is continuously happening to me. Like when mm-hmm. am I going? And I mean, accountability is accountability is a very it's that's a big one. That's a that's a mature word. A <laughs> very mature. <laughs> All right, Darnell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, you. We've touched on a lot of these questions already. So. Okay. What is like? I, I'd like to use. I I want to answer yeah. access one. I know if I can help. I'm sorry, that was my watch going off. Go ahead. <laughs> Use three words to describe yourself. Uh, I would say persistent, uh, caring, and generous. Okay, those are great words. What, why do you describe yourself in those ways? Um, persistent, just because I literally am, like I... I'll take forever it is in a day to figure out whatever I got to figure out and kind of just stick with it. Yeah. And I'm trying to replace loyalty mm. because I, I consider myself a loyal person. Um, but, but loyalty sometimes isn't always a good thing. I've realized. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes um, you're loyal to the wrong things and it's the, it's the meme. You want to hold on to the teddy bear. You know? Okay. When you use it in that context. Um, but when you're persistent, you keep being the best or keep trying your best. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I'll do, you know? Yeah. And that that's regardless of whatever is in my life at the present moment or I'm attached to at the present moment. Because when you're loyal, it stops with whatever you're attached to. So mm-hmm. I, I want to be more persistent. That's a good one. I never thought of that. I feel like loyalty is like, well, I'm determined. Yeah. I guess you I guess it depends on in what context you're using loyalty, because most of the time when we talk about loyalty, it's to people. Other people. Yeah. You, it has to be loyalty to self. Right. And I mean, loyalty to like your morals and you know what I mean? The stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of why I, I swapped loyalty out. Uh and then I said persistent, caring. Uh, yes, which is, technically it's kind of, I guess they don't really go hand in hand, but caring because I genuinely do uh, care about seeing other people win and succeed and grow and feel their best, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to say that's why I consider myself to be caring. And then uh, generous because this is this probably ties into like a hero complex somewhere, but <laughs> I always have no problem uh, giving mm. because I feel like I'm stronger and I can do better with less than other people can. Say that. And I can't. Uh, I have no problem giving 
because right. I feel like I'm stronger and I can do better with less than other people can. Mm. Right. And that that's me in a narcissistic way, like in my head feeling that way, but I have no problem giving someone anything or like my life, you know, because I'm like, I know I can recover. You know what I mean? I know I can deal with whatever it is. Okay. So I don't have a problem being generous in that sense. I mean, that definitely doesn't sound narcissistic, honestly. Um, no, but it is narcissistic that I think I'm stronger than you. And I can, you know, like I'm not stronger than anybody else, but I, I, I look at it that way. I mean, I feel like maybe if you reframe the words, so to speak, like, how can I put this? I'm trying to reframe it. It goes to social work in me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's weird because it's like looking at people, it's like, oh, you're weaker or weak. So you can't handle that. So because you can't handle that, take this and I'll deal with it and don't worry about it, which is a horrible way of doing things. Instead, it should be like the generosity, which I'm trying to switch to is more like showing people how to do things instead of giving necessarily. But I do think when you give, you do show as well. You, it, it depends on the person. I think it depends on the person that you're giving to. That's true. Because if you're giving it to someone who just doesn't even care, it's not even going to, it's not even yeah. sink in. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've from I've known you for almost five years, four years, five years. I don't know. I can't yeah. that too. But <laughs> there are definitely three words that describe you to the T. And I mean, since you when I was at Fordham, you were very just definitely down for the cause. I mean, we weren't even paying you to come and, and talk to our 300. Well, we didn't have that many students in the summer program. But just like a, a hundred plus students, you know, giving them this wonderful pieces of advice and just wisdom. And I will never forget one. I think we were, I don't know, we were trying to figure out how you could donate sneakers or what this the the kids' sneaker size were. Yeah. And me and Jacasey was just like, is he serious? Like, oh yeah, I was very serious about that. And that's the thing, you were so serious about it. We we're like, oh my goodness, we have over something <laughs> our kids sneakers like it was just I mean you don't and I I really and maybe it's just because I'm a homebody and I don't really get out of, out very often but I don't I really don't know people who are so giving outside of my family or just kind of outside of my circle and you were so willing to do that for for our for our organization and just for our kids and just not even you were just like yeah sure I mean and all the times we've called and like hey Darnell can you you know speak with our be a career speaker again and always just yeah you know I love it and those are just wonderful ways to describe the type of individual you are yeah I think more people I wish more people were kind of given like that because you never know the impact that you have on someone and you know what I mean and then it, it kind of just sparks like good karma for everybody it's not just myself but now you give in you shine light on this person this person has this spark now and they pass that on you know right. and it kind of like elevates everyone and I feel like more people should be that way I mean it definitely impacted us in terms of you know us ladies at Fordham at that time 
Um, I don't know if it impacted the kids. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like with kids, it takes maturity and growth for them to eventually say, hey, do you remember rem- yeah. when came and, you know, so, but I'm pretty sure it, I, we know it impacted the kids. It probably just didn't set in at that moment for some of them, but yeah. you definitely were one of the favorite career speakers that we had, you know. Good to know. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> So talking about heroes and giving, do you have a hero and, and why? Uh, my hero would probably be my mom. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say. Not at all. Um, but I always say my mom, because I get the generous thing from my mom. Um, and then also just because I've seen my mother at different points of her life and I've seen her evolve. Mm. Um, and I've seen her like make different amounts of money. You know what I mean? Have money, not have money. Yeah. Uh, be happy, be not be happy. You know, and I've seen her like deal with all this and evolve and still be a generous person through all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's why I'd say my mom is probably my hero. Now, heroes that I haven't met, like in my mind, <laughs> uh, Muhammad Ali is a inspiration to me just because I see how like how much he believed in himself. Yeah. And then even with him, um, all the trash talk and and all the float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, there was still that whole entire other side of him where he was a generous and giving person to the world. And you know what I mean? Yeah, he did a lot uh, of community. Yeah, so that's why I'd say Ali is one. Wow. If I had to name somebody who I haven't met. Well, I, f- I mean, I feel like on the, the, the road and the path that you're going on, I'm pretty sure you're going to be somebody's hero. I don't, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> okay, I think that's an awesome thing. I mean, you're doing some really good work, amazing work. Yeah, I try. I, I, I really just want to um, give opportunities more than anything. And that's impactful. That's my thing. That's, that's impactful. And I'm pretty sure that that's, that's an, a legacy that you're leaving behind that, uh, you know, not a lot of people do. Yeah, because that's, that's the true legacy. Yeah. That's the true legacy. Uh, give an opportunity to someone and they make something of it and they pass it on to the next person. The next thing you know, it's 10, 15, 20, 30 people uh, on it. And then it's not even if your name is remembered or anything like that. It's just that you sparked that and started that. You know what I mean? Because the name doesn't mean anything. You know, if it's like, oh, Darnell did it. Okay, cool. Change my name to whatever you want. As long as the action has actually happened. Uh, Implemented and it's passed. Yeah. That's it, because if even if you say I did it, there's somebody before me that kind of put me in place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the chain would just go on and on. I just want to be a part of the chain. Wow, that's that's humble. That's very. That's a lot of. That's that's awesome, Darnell. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's that's good. I'm you. I'm. This may sound very shocking, but you just these are not conversations 
that a lot of people are having, or at least you're not hearing about. You know, you have to find these. Yeah. And and it's a. It, I wasn't always like this. Like, it took me some growing because it was like, oh, I want to get money. I want to do this. I want to have this. You know. Yeah. It was very like me, 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 me. You know. Right. Um. A chip on your shoulder in the wrong kind of way, and like grudge and prove people wrong, and it was <laughs> it was a lot like that. Uh, but I realized that was kind of just like an empty kind of thing. Like you run out of gas mm-hmm. with that after a while. Um, you don't feel fulfilled because it's kind of like, well, right. Not all about me. Right. And then no matter how many times you prove somebody wrong, get there, like you're proving people wrong. That doesn't mean anything. They didn't really, right. it doesn't you know, like it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I stopped kind of, I changed my approach as I got older. Well, it definitely shows. It definitely shows. I mean, I don't, I've known you only for four years, but it definitely shows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so, I think even though it's four years, I've probably grown and changed, you know? Yeah. A bit. I mean, the generosity part still stands because I remember from the very first career speaking series we had, it was just like, yeah, let's do this. Or, you know, I'm, I'd love to come back and do this again. And you know, I can even share this with some some of my friends, and I do think we we had one of your yeah. friends come and to our students, and he was awesome. I mean, the kids were just amazed by his his sports car. I don't remember what kind of car it was, but um, I think he had a McLaren at the time. It was a sports car. Okay, um, that, yeah, that was my cousin Sean, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they, we were even talking about doing a panel. I went time putting a panel together of a bunch of men and everything like that. And oh, right. And then COVID happened. We were supposed, right. We were supposed to do that. Yep. Wow. Look at that. And look, I mean, well, kind of still worked out. It's just, I'm not kind of doing it with Fordham, but I'm doing it in a different way, but I'm definitely grateful that you're, you're a part of this because this will impact a lot of people. I'm pretty sure a lot of viewers have heard some awesome tips, advice, and gems, and just things that we're not having. I, I keep saying this, but as a, as a therapist, these aren't conversations. These are conversations that we want people to have. Like We want people to kind of dig a little deeper and be the voice behind your own growth, your own development, and just understanding of your own awareness. You know, They called out actually person-centered therapy where you're kind of you're the you're the uh pivotal piece in your your healing journey and ultimately that's what I believe life is just you're on this healing journey and all these different experiences are shaping and molding your character and helping you become the greatest version of yourself and that sounds exactly what like what you're doing in your life at this current that's that's kind of how I view it like it's all playing a part in this journey when you got to take the best of it you know yeah and grow and everything like that and i i've gotten okay with that part and that's that's why like the expectation like it's okay it's part of the journey everything i'm getting where i'm supposed to be right okay well my last question i know we talked about this just a little bit but what exactly is the type of legacy you would like to leave this world with and why um I have to leave a legacy for the world. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when you say that, do you mean like what they would think of me or what do I want to leave in the world for other people? What do you, well, let's do, let's say both. Okay. Um, what I'd want to leave uh, them thinking of me is that it's okay to not be okay. Okay. You know, like, yeah. I want to be viewed as not perfect or not anything like that or like unhuman or super. I want to be viewed as a flawed individual that was flawed and tried his best. Mm. Wow. You know, because I I wanted I want people to look at me and see uh, my life and everything, not as something that was unattainable, but something that's attainable. And it's like them, like, oh, yeah, Darnell's flawed and messed up and did some wrong and you know yeah just like me but I can you know that's what I want people to think of me that I'm flawed but I did my best and that's empowering because we live in a perfectionist type of society yeah and as as a and I'm not into astrology I just like to say stuff like this but as a Virgo I tend to be a perfectionist with things yeah uh but I realize that doesn't necessarily bode well for yourself as a person because you'll always be hard on yourself and like feel down on yourself that you're not doing something to perfection or that you're not perfection and that's just not realistic the perfection is the flaws because mm. then you're exactly what you're supposed to be you know that's a quote yeah. <laughs> that's a quote <laughs> um and then the other half of the question is what do i want to leave um like an impact on the world. Yes. It the impact that I would like to leave is more uh community mm. in a sense of it's not necessarily about being at the top all the time. Okay. And I feel like individuals um racial groups, um, co-workers, everything's always a competition to be the best and be at the top mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yep. And I wish, and I hope that people view it more as like a community and making the best for everything and everybody's uplifting. Even if you're the best, let's help somebody else try to be the best too. Cause it's only going to elevate and make everyone better, better and happier. Um, so I, I do wish that people tend to have more of a community and more of like a sense of connection mm. to each other. Because in, in a weird way, somehow we all are connected. Connected from the worst of us to the best of us. Right. We got the same, got the same air and the same, same water, same land. We are connected. Um yeah, and and it's hard because there's some people that like oh no, you know, but even to have like an ounce of compassion or maybe compassion is not even the right word, but like, no, that's it. It's compassion, compassion of like, yeah, like some, some care for them, even if they've done wrong and stuff like that. And they don't even realize, just feel bad that they 
that they that they're the person that has to go through that and know that you know like there's always some way to have uh, some compassion and stuff like that there and I wish that the world becomes a more compassionate place and more of a community where we all kind of uh, help each other in a sense and open doors and opportunities for each other. What you said is very empowering. And I mean, honestly, I, this, this episode went way better than I, I could have imagined, honestly, because you're leaving me with some, some self-reflection or no, <laughs> seriously. I, I mean, you are like these, these are, this is great. This is, this is motivating. It's inspiring. And I keep saying this and I know I'm, I'm probably, this is very repetitive, but that that's, I don't know if it's just maybe the, the age or the season that I'm in in my life, but, and then just what I see going on in the world. Um, those that is important for us to, to not live in such a perf perfectionist type of minds, mind frame. And then it's also important to have empathy and understanding compassionate for other people who may not be on the same type of uh, level for lack of a better terminology or uh, socioeconomic status, all these different things, but just having that consideration of, you just don't know what this person is going through or gone through and just being more empathetic and just trying to place your person, your, yourself in that person's shoes. So you said a lot of things that I do hope and pray that people walk, will walk away with and just have an understanding of maybe if I see myself as someone, a light giver and spreading my light, then it'll touch somebody else who will then spread their light. And this is just yeah. be connected in that sense. Is there, a do you have a time limit on these or we just going? I, I mean, I do. I have to, I'm gonna have to end it. <laughs> okay. Cause I was like, there's, there's two questions that I didn't get to answer that I really want to answer. Oh, okay. Yes. Go ahead. Well, you know, let's, let's answer those questions. Yes. All right. Um, the one about what pivotal experience helped me kind of determine or discover like my life purpose. Yes. I would say that happened in the past, like two and a half, three years. Okay. Um, I had a, I have a friend known him since I was maybe like seven, eight years old. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. he wanted to be a camera person, like be, you know, get into the same industry I'm in for the most part. Right. Um, and I had an opportunity to like get him a gig, you know what I mean? And like show him how to do things, like work with me and like help him. And he's taken that opportunity and has transitioned it to like way past where most people would have. Like, it's how he supports himself. It's his full-time job. He makes money he's ever made. He works for himself. Wow. Um, and it was just something that I realized I never had that I gave to, that I was able to give to someone else. Mm. And then the way that he's grateful for it. One day he even told me, he was like, yo, you really changed my life. Wow. You know, like that, like impacted me because me, I just wanted to like help a friend mm -hmm. kind of yeah. and to see him grow. Like he probably will never even realize it, but I'm happier for him. And he probably is happier for himself really? so I think that was like yeah I think that was a pivotal moment when I realized I was like oh that makes me feel really really good being able to do that type of stuff uh, 
so that's been a, a a thing when I started to feel like maybe that's a huge part of my purpose is putting others in in place. You know, it so. it sounds like service. Like you're in a sense you're serving in a in a way that just kind of goes in hand in hand with how you described yourself as being generous, you know, being generous and 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 also compassionate as you have described with and community, like it's just all tying together. Like you, you provided. You're actually a com- component of the community, and mm-hmm. you're generous enough to to offer this person this opportunity. And how that kind of and the reason why I say service is because I feel like we live in a world where we're we're providing a service, whether we're getting paid for it or not. We're providing a service, and you provided this person with the opportunity to by. I'm trying to tie the serve in a sense of generosity, but that's just how I'm, I'm kind of connecting it. And most people wouldn't even say that that's their, their life purpose, but that's what it sounds like. That's definitely what it sounds like. And it's, it's weird because I never thought of that as like being a purpose or anything like that. Yeah. But when I saw that, I was like, the feeling that I got from that was like, I very rarely have I ever felt like that much fulfillment. Mm. Um, and then the other question that was on here, um, <laughs> what are some ways that I handle conflict? Oh, okay. Hmm, I didn't So my own question. <laughs> <laughs> it took me, it took me a while to deal with this because me dealing with conflict, um, five years ago, maybe longer, it was always from an emotional mm. standpoint. You know, and it was like you hurt me, I hurt you. You know what I mean? Like a, okay. one of those. A, a t- um, yeah, a tit for tat kind of thing. And I, I realized when you're doing, you're not really doing those things for yourself. It's more like to give somebody else a a negative emotion or whatever it is. Yeah. And then I started to step back and do more evaluation of situations, and I've asked myself, I'm like okay, now what is this conflict for? Is this conflict for something stupid, like just for me to prove something for myself or to disprove that person? You know what I mean? What is this conflict for? And if I look at that way and I say, that's what it is, I just abandon it. Mm -hmm. Don't care. I'll abandon it. Um, But now if I look at it and I say, well, this conflict is to get to this goal or like something that's meaningful or important to me, and it's worth the conflict. I go head on at it. Oh. <laughs> I do, but I don't go at it from an emotional point anymore, you know? Okay. Can it's you- almost as if whoever I'm having the conflict with or whatever I'm having a conflict with. Yeah. And I mean this in like in a human way, but it's almost as if they don't matter mm-hmm. in a sense. And by no means do I want them to be hurt or whatever but I understand that may be part of the process to get to pass the conflict okay um and I realized that and I and I stopped operating as if I'm out to just hurt that person or you know what I mean for to not be hurt any of that I'm operating now to get past whatever passed up whatever on the other side of conflict right but I first I evaluate I look and I say if what I'm is what I'm trying to get to worth going through the conflict for on the other side. 
So it sounds like you changed the intention. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I changed the intention, then I have way less conflict in my life because I realized whatever it was probably wasn't worth it. And when it is, it's okay. And I have no problem explaining uh, that to somebody why something has to be done, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it has to be one of those things where like, they're either going to accept it, they'll be mad at it, get over it, or that's it. You know what I mean? But it's not the end. It's the beginning. Darnell, yeah. have you ever thought of mentoring like young boys or, you know? Uh, I have. I have thought about it, but I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know where to start or how to do it or like if I'd be good with a group or like just one or two, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, but I think it's something you can, you should consider because um, the, the, the service is needed. The opportunity is definitely needed. And I, I definitely think you would be so empowering for a lot of young men, a lot of young males. Yeah, I, I just, I never want them to view me as like an authority figure or like, you know what I mean? But like, you, you don't come off that way at all. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. All right. Cause I, I try to, I never want to be viewed as authority. I want to be viewed as like a aid or like help. You know what I mean? Or like that kind of thing. That's definitely your, that's, um, and this is from my perspective, that's definitely your character. And just, mm-hmm. just based on a lot of what, what we discussed, I definitely think that that would appeal more to, to young males in terms of just your personality and your character and just your willingness to help and not be an, you know, an authority figure in a sense. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's something for you to think about. I think you should think about that because that would be awesome. You like I, transform, transform some lives. Like I always liked uh, talking to kids at Fordham and like some other places where have asked me to talk to kids or like do like career stuff. I always love uh, doing that stuff. So like I, I'd be open to it. I just think it has to be the right kind of situation. I don't know like what age is the right age or, you know, I don't know. Okay, well, something to think about. I, I actually think I might, I might have to make it happen because I mean, right. it's because it's important for I. I was, I think I was watching a podcast. I'm always watching podcasts, um, but I was watching a podcast of these young men who were talking about being in relationships and dating and things of that nature, and they just talked about how I need a mentor for that too. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody does. <laughs> But that's probably, that's why, because they're saying like, we live in a social media society where um, I guess women are like, oh, well, if you don't have, if you're not providing yep. that and a third, then then I can't deal with you. And one of the guys was like, yeah, the girl had, um, the girl he was interested in, she just automatically told him that it was a deal breaker that he didn't make seven figures. And I just felt like, wow, like, is that where we are right now? Like, I mean- I totally understand wanting to be with someone who has financial stability. I mean, but for that to be like a deal breaker 
that you could potentially be losing out on someone who has really good character, diff- all these different qualities. It's just like, whew. I, I would tell him she's probably doing him a favor. <laughs> that's that's freedom. You know, like uh, if she views uh, your importance or like your value has to be tied to how much money you make and especially that much money, like what's her real value then? You know what I mean? Because if like, if you replace him and just add somebody else there with seven figures, mm-hmm. what's the difference, you know? Right. So that's not somebody that really wanted you. So it's probably better that you don't, not with that person. Anyway, even if you did make seven figures and she's like, oh, I'm with you. Could you make seven figures? You probably don't want that person. You want the person that wants you. Like I always say, um, if I ever get like married, I don't want somebody who wants a husband per se. I want somebody that wants Darnell. Mm, I've never heard that before. Yeah, because <laughs> it's easy to want the want a husband and like find somebody to be a husband and feel the husband. But like, do you want me as like a person? You know? Right. I get and it's that. like if marriage didn't exist, then uh, <laughs> the wedding and the ring and all that stuff like that. Would you still want me yeah, as a person? person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, my my outlook on things like that. This is exactly why you need to be a mentor. I'm just, <laughs> I don't even know why that. I, I mean, I, I, I just, I couldn't, it must be God. Cause I didn't come up with that on my own, but you really should. I mean, and I'm this converse, this conversation could go on, but you have made some really, really good points. And I just really want to thank you so much for taking the time out to be, to be a part of this podcast. Um, and to share your story and just all these different things that have shaped who you are. I mean, I, I see you going so much further and doing so many, so much more great things that, than you've already done. Um, and I really hope that everyone was impacted by your words of wisdom and just your authenticity. So thank you so much, Darnell. Thanks for having me, man. I had an amazing time. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like doing uh, some serious stuff and not just jokes and funny I well, I'm, can make jokes and funny but yeah every once in a while it's good to kind of be serious for a bit that's a nice balance yes indeed so where can viewers find you if they want to connect with you where could they find you oh where they can find me um you can find me on youtube um what you thought podcast okay. uh every tuesday seven o'clock i am there with uh some some really funny uh genuine and good people um pop vasquez uh reg is there uh amar brad derek a whole bunch of people behind the scenes uh so i'm there every tuesday uh the instagram chat page is what you thought pod uh i'm there and then if you ever want to see any of my like behind the scenes work and stuff like that you can go to darnelltaylor.com okay awesome great yay so we'll be looking out for you darnell and i I feel like this this is probably just the beginning of another podcast series that i'm gonna have to have you on it just might be a topic (laughs) you know how to reach out to me yes so thank you so much darnell for being a part of the peace and preparation podcast it's been a pleasure to have you thank you very much had a time of my life thank you Thank you.